Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, uh, we, we are in uh, Deuteronomy 32. Uh, but before we open to Deuteronomy 32, open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. A little refresher course if you've been walking with us for a while. In 1 Corinthians 10, it is revealed that in, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1, Brother Paul reveals to the saints, he says, Moreover, brethren, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with, mo- but with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. The passage that we're in, in Deuteronomy 32, it's very sobering, incredibly sobering. In one regard, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, it, 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 it's painful. It's very painful to read. It's very painful to study. It's very painful to understand. But it is also hopeful for us. It is also hopeful for you and me today because what happens when we look at the Word of God, when we study the Word of God, you're going to see everything. You're going to see the peaks. You're going to see the valleys. You're going to see the ups, the downs, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And some cases, extremely ugly, extremely painful. Now, If you've been walking with us for a while, you remember our study in the earlier passages in Exodus and you see, you know, how the Lord became forgotten in the land of Egypt. And, you know, you see this, you know, baby Moses and you see him grow and then you see him leave Egypt and you see how the Lord does a mighty work in him. And then he goes back to Egypt. The Lord sends him back to Egypt and then the Lord does a mighty work through him. And this mighty work, it's coming to its closing stages here in Deuteronomy because Moses is an old man. He's about ready to die. Remember, he's 120 years old. He's old. Old man, you know, picture a guy who's 120 years old. You know, they, 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 the frailty, they can't move. I mean, they can move, but I mean, it's, you know, not like when they were 20. And, you know, it just blows me away so much because we see these very sobering truths. But at the same time, for you and me, for us to remember, just like the Pharisee of Pharisees says, 
before he came to Christ. Just like the student of Gamaliel says before he came to Christ, he says that these things were written. They were written as our examples for Christians. And he says, just like we read in 1 Corinthians 10, 10 verse 12, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Very important for you and me to remember. Now, we go back to Deuteronomy 32. If you have your Bible, open up to Deuteronomy 32. Now, remember last week. I mean, it is a biblical truth. Remember our study from last week in Deuteronomy 31, how the Lord says, I will not forsake you. He says that straight up. I will not forsake you. And how beautiful it is. But in the very same chapter, he says, I will forsake you. Now we have mockers in these last days who will point to that and say, you see, you see, the Bible is so full of contradictions. And it is a biblical truth that the Lord will not forsake you as is written. But then so what happens? How come the Lord says, I will forsake you? And we see in chapter 31, verse 16, remember the Lord is reactionary. The people forsook the Lord. They were the ones who first forsake. How does that happen? It happens when the Lord becomes forgotten. And you say, okay, that's Israel. I'm a Christian, so that's not going to happen to me. Once saved, always saved. Now, if you've been walking with us for a while, you already, we've already established and you know that once saved, always saved is unbiblical. It is not a biblical truth. If you're listening for the first time, listen to all our prior studies in, you know, first Corinthians on up to, uh, where we are currently in Thessalonians, uh, 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 first Thessalonians, because you'll understand more. We cover it extensively. Once saved, always saved is unbiblical. The biblical formula, the biblical model, the biblical blueprint is once saved, stay saved. How does that happen? Obedience to his word. Because in chapter 31 of Deuteronomy, the Lord says, I will not forsake you. How beautiful is it? Incredibly. And then in the same chapter, he says, I will forsake you. It's not that the Lord changed his mind. Remember, he never changes. You know what happened? Israel changed her heart. Israel changed her heart. Very powerful. And I speak of Israel as, as one when I say Israel. The assembly of Israel changed their heart. The same thing happens. Have you ever seen a person on fire for the Lord? They're so on fire for the Lord and it's beautiful to see. But then what happens if they don't follow the blueprint of, if they follow the blueprint of once saved, always saved, it's dangerous. But if they follow the blueprint of once saved, uh, stay saved, you're going to see obedience to his word. But if, if you see the, you know, you know, in the course of time, what happens? The Lord becomes forgotten. And in one, one moment in time, they're on fire for the Lord. And the very next moment in time could be five years later, five months later. It could be five decades later. They hate the Lord. What happened? What happened? They forsook the Lord. By their actions, by their deeds, they forsake the Lord. It happens. You don't need me to tell you because we see it. And some people say, well, they were never saved. That's rubbish. Rubbish. Oh, they were never saved. And you know why they say that? 
that they were never saved? The reason why is because they adhere to the false teaching that once saved, always saved. And they say, well, because once saved, always saved is true, then they were never saved. No, instead of saying that, go back to the biblical formula. Once saved, always saved is a lie. And, you know, once you understand that, then you see like, wow, you know, they were saved. But then what happened? Their heart became hard. It's very important to understand what the Bible teaches. It's the deceitfulness of sin, just like we see in Hebrews. I mean, you know, you know, you, you hear us mention, you know, if, if you've been walking with us for a while, which is true. If you've been walking with us for a while, we've studied these things. But turn with me really quick to Hebrews chapter 3. And in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, Hebrews 3, verse 12, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Oh, my goodness. I thought once saved, always saved was true. No, it is not true. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. So it, you know, verse 12 says, brethren, so they're believers. And some people will say, well, it's Hebrew, so it's written to Jews. But hold the phone there, my friend. In Christ, there is no Jew nor Gentile. Remember, it is also written. Beware, brethren. So you see, brethren, okay, believers, Christians. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. How could a person be a Christian and then all of a sudden be an unbeliever? Well, we see. Departing from the living God. A person walks away. False doctrine will say, well, that person was never saved. False teachers will say, well, that person was never saved. But it's a lie from the pit of hell. Do not follow. Do not be deceived. Even though multitudes are deceived, I speak to you. The Lord called me to teach the living. I don't teach the dead. I teach the living. Do not be deceived. Oh, they were never saved. You know, person's on fire for the Lord. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're doing their drugs and alcohol and all kinds of crazy things. Oh, that person was never saved. Rubbish. They were saved. The problem is, is they departed from the living God. And they were once believing and now they are unbelieving. It's called departing from the living God as is written. As is written in the word of God. Not as is written in the New York Times bestseller. Not as is written according to certain doctrines. Not as is written according to, you know, uh, this guy, this guy, this lady, this lady. As is written in the word of God departing from the living God. Oh, that person was never saved. Rubbish. There are multitudes of false doctrines. Multitudes of false doctrines. Do not be deceived. In verse 13, still in Hebrews 3, but exhort one another daily, 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 why it is called today. Very interesting what we see here. While it is called today. You know, the days are getting darker and darker and darker, more evil, more evil, more evil. You don't need me to tell you this. You can see it. We can feel it. 
Just like we see in, in, in Exodus when darkness befell Egypt, it was palpable, a thick darkness. I mean, have you ever been in, 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 a, in a night sky or in a dark room and you, you know, it's dark. There's like no light, very little light. It's dark, but you need a flashlight, but you can still see that your hand in front of your face. You can still see like, you know, the outline of your hand in front of your face. It's dark, but there's just enough, barely enough light to where you can see your hand in, your, in, in front of your face. But then how about when it's so dark that you can have your hand like inches away from your eye and you still can't see it? That's how dark it's going to be. That's how dark it was in Egypt. And that's how dark it's going to be in the last days. And when that darkness befell Egypt, there was light in Goshen where God's people were. Exhort one another is written in verse 13 daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You see, oh, once saved, always saved. So I'll go ahead and do this because once saved, always saved. Uh, just a little crack over here. Just a little math over here. You know, uh, little prostitutes over here, little Buddha over here, some white lies over here. No big deal. No, it doesn't work that way. That's the deceitfulness of sin. Oh, once saved, always saved. So I can go ahead and do this. And God is sovereign, so, you know, once saved, always saved, so I can go ahead and do this. And we don't have to question what God says because, you know, who can fathom that? Because, you know, uh, he is sovereign. We're so minute and who can even fathom what, what he's doing? So, you know, all we know is that once saved, always saved. No. No. God is absolutely sovereign. You and me, we must behave as though he is sovereign because he is sovereign. And in his sovereignty... You and me align ourselves to him in accordance to his word, not in accordance to the study Bibles that say this and that. Go ahead and take the mark of the beast and you'll still be saved. Not in accordance to, you know, the guy who says, let's go lay on graves and, you know, soak up that spirit in accordance to the word of God. That's what we align ourselves to. But the choice must be made. That's the deceitfulness of sin. Oh, once saved, always said, look, I became a Christian when I was 15 years old. And, you know, I'm going to be a Christian for the rest of my life because once saved, always saved. So I'll go ahead and dabble with this and dabble with that. And through that, a heart can become harder. No more jello. Go from jello to uh, uh, balsa to maple to oak to pine and then all of a sudden to rock. And that's Hebrews 6 where it is impossible to restore a person. You see, once they have been, once they have tasted, you say, wait a second, that flies against everything I've been taught. Well, who's your teacher? Who's your teacher? Oh, my pastor told me this. My pastor told me this. That's nice. Does it align with the word of God? Well, he says once saved, always saved. Okay, well, there you know, he's mistaken. And I say unto you, do not be deceived. You want to follow him? Oh, he says, you know, once saved, always saved. And then he also says, I can go ahead and take the mark of the beast and still be saved. Do you not see that danger? You see? Now, since we're on the subject matter, turn really quick to Luke chapter 8, something that we always refer to. And we're always, we're still going to refer to it and we're always going to refer to it. But in Luke chapter 8, we see something else. In Luke chapter 8, verse 13, verse 11 says, The seed is the word of God. Verse 13 says, But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root. You see, they hear the word, 
and they receive the word and with joy. Beautiful. Praise be to the Lord. Except there's a problem. There's a problem. No root. And it is written, who believe for a while. You see? They're believers for a while. They don't believe till, the, till their last dying breath. They only believe for five months, five years, five decades. It's not until their last dying breath. Once saved, always saved is unbiblical. You see a person on fire for the Lord, and then you next, you know, five years later, they're on fire for uh, uh, Satan and evil. And a person that is stuck in false doctrine will say, oh, that person was never saved. Rubbish. That very concept is unbiblical. What you see in that person, the one who was on fire for the Lord and is no longer on fire for the Lord, you see a person who believed, yes, they believed, but it was for the short term. It was only for a while. The false teacher will say, oh yeah, once saved, always saved. You know, let's just, you know, they'll analyze verses like this and, you know, say, well, you know, the Lord is saved, but the Lord died on the cross, but only in a saving way for the elect. And then you come across other crazy doctrines that spawn from that. And when I say crazy doctrines, I'm speaking of Calvinism and Reformed theory. This person that the Lord speaks of, straight up red letters, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Fall away. Now it is written, God says, I will not forsake you. But just like in chapter 31 of Deuteronomy, he says, I will not forsake you. But then in the same chapter, he says, I will forsake you. Did the Lord change his mind? No. In the case of Israel, the people changed their heart. What about with the short-term believer? I will never forsake you. The person believes, but then in time of temptation falls away. Apostasia, which is prophetic. It's going to be exponential in the last days. More and more people falling away. Will the Lord not forsake them? Will they not hear the faithful words, depart from me, I never knew you. Very serious business. When we speak of eternity, it's not a social club. It's not like, okay, everybody open up your Bible, listen, we're going to tell jokes and, you know, we're all going to be entertained. No. It's very serious. We're talking about eternity. We're speaking about heaven and hell. Paradise and Sheol, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. False teachers will say, oh, there's no such thing as hell. Catholic doctrine, oh, there's no such thing as hell. Rubbish. Now, if you're Catholic, I love you, but come out of her, my people. It is unbiblical. It's not biblical Christianity. People call it Christianity, but it isn't. 
If you're Catholic, come out over my people. You're Reformed, you're Calvinist, come out over my people. We're living in the last days. And there are doctrines that are deadly. There are doctrines that are very dangerous. There are doctrines that will kill you. But there is only one. Many Christ. Remember the disciples asked Jesus Christ, what is the sign of your coming? And one of them, there are many, but he says one of them is there will be many Christs. Many Christs. Picture that. A thousand Christs. One thousand Christs. How will you know the real one? They all look the same. I mean, put them in a lineup. They all look the same. They dress the same. But there's only one. What the Bible says, whose word is above his name. Everything must align with the truth of Scripture. A Jesus that says, you know, go ahead and take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. False Christ, the kind that the Bible warns of. A Jesus that says, come on, guys, let's go lay on the graves and soak up these spirits. False Christ. You see? Very, very dangerous days that we're living in. That's why the Bible says perilous times. He says perilous times for a reason. In the case of Israel, let's go to Deuteronomy 32. In the case of Israel, in chapter 32, we remember, if you remember our study from last week in verse chapter 31, verse 16 and 17, the Lord says, I will forsake them, but he says, they will forsake me. It's sad. It kills me. It breaks my heart. Because what, what does it have to take for the Lord to forsake a people, a person, an individual? What does it take? We see Romans 1, you know, the wrath of God on individuals. God giving up on a person. Why does that happen? The Bible says in Romans 1, they first gave up on God. Remember, the Lord is reactionary. He responds to wickedness and righteousness. He responds to obedience and disobedience. And very, very wonderful and beautifully, he responds to repentance. Repentance. In verse chapter 31, verse 19, the Lord is saying to Moses, write this song. Write down this song. It's from the Lord. And this song is a witness against Israel. Whoa. It is against Israel. In verse 20 of chapter 31, it says, when they become fat. When they become fat. Just like Jesus. When Jesus in, 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 in John chapter 6 you know, count the people in John chapter 6. Do a little a census in John chapter 6. Because at the very beginning of John 6, you have thousands and thousands and thousands, 5,000 plus. And at the end of John 6, you have 12. What in the world? How does that happen in just one chapter? And, you know, it's a chapter, but it's just a very small, minute period of time. How is it that 5,000 plus become 12? 
Truth. That's how it happens. Truth. Multitudes and multitudes of people. And you know, they follow the, the Lord feeds them. Beautifully. Gives them food. Loaves. Beautiful. Wonderful. And then he starts to walk away and then the people follow him. You say, like, wow, cool. The people are following the Lord. Yes, beautiful. Except Jesus stops. And he looks at them and he says, you're only following me because your bellies are full. You like the goodies. You like the food. You like your bellies nice and full. But you don't like what I say. You're not following me so that your hearts can be full of the words that I speak. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what happens. Read John 6 and do a census. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have 5,000 plus. They start to leave him. Oh, I like my boat, my belly to be nice and full, but I don't like what he says. So I'm not going to follow him anymore. I like my belly to be nice and full, but wow, wow, he's so offensive. So I'm not going to follow him anymore. Thousands become hundreds. And then all of a sudden, Jesus speaks to his disciples, which are hundreds. He says more truth. And he says to them, does this offend you? Do my words offend you? And then people follow Jesus no more. And then finally, there's 12 left. That's just in one chapter. 5,000 plus minus a whole lot to get to 12. And don't forget, the 12 becomes 11. The 11 becomes zero. That's why Jesus says, count the cost. Count the cost. In chapter 31, verse 22, we see that the Lord says, teach it to Israel, teach it to the younger generation. Teach it to the younger generation. In verse 30, chapter 31, verse 30 says, then Moses spoke in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel, the words of this song until they were ended. And it's a testimony. Against Israel. Whoa. Picture this next generation that's passing into the promised land. A younger generation, you might have some, you know, 50 year olds. You might have some, you know, you might have some uh, 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 10 year olds. You might have some 20 year olds. uh, The first generation, they died. The second generation that passes into the promised land. And you say like, okay, wow, you know, look, the second generation is passing into the promised land. That's Old Testament. No, the same thing applies to you and me. First generation born into Adam cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. A man, a woman must be born again. Second generation alive in Christ, not alive in Adam. Alive in Adam, according to the flesh, is death. I'm talking about alive in Christ, born again. And the second generation in you and in me, we pass into the promised land. Paradise. You see? This song of Moses, it's from the Lord. The Lord told him, Moses, write this down. It's from the Lord. And this song of Moses, which is from the Lord, is a testimony, not for Israel, 
I mean, it's for Israel, but you have to have ears. You have to have eyes and ears to, eyes to see and ears to understand. But it is a testimony against Israel. As New Covenant believers, we understand that it is a testimony against the flesh, the carnal ways. Very prophetic implications that we see here in chapter 32. Very prophetic implications in terms of Israel, in terms of Messiah, his first coming, and his second coming. Old man Moses, he's 120 years old. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 7, a little refresher, if you've been walking with us for a while, Numbers chapter 12, verse 7, the Lord says that he's a faithful servant. That the Lord speaks plainly with Moses. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, if you've been walking with us for a while, a little refresher course, the Lord speaks to Moses as a man speaks to his friend. Beautiful intimacy, Moses and the Lord. Beautiful, beautiful intimacy. Open up your Bible to Deuteronomy 32. Old man Moses, 120 years old, speaks the words of this song until they were ended. Chapter 32, Deuteronomy. Verse 1. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops on the tender herb, and as showers on the grass. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. They have corrupted themselves. They are not his children because of their blemish, a perverse and crooked generation. Do you thus deal with the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father who bought you? Has he not made you and established you? Remember days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you. Your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High divided their in, their inheritance to the nations When he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land. And in the wasteland, a howling wilderness, he encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings, so the Lord alone led him. 
and there was no foreign god with him. He made him ride in the heights of the earth that he might eat the produce of the fields. He made him draw honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock. Curds from the cattle and milk of the flock with fat of rams and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the choicest wheat and you drink wine, the blood of grapes. But Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You grew fat. You grew thick. You are obese. Then he forsook God who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons, not to God. To gods they did not know. To new gods, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear. Of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful. And have forgotten the God who fathered you. And when the Lord saw it, he spurned them. Because of the provocation of his sons and his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be. For they are a perverse generation. Children in whom is no faith. They have provoked me to jealousy. By what is not God. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols. But I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move them to anger by a foolish nation. For a fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn to the lowest hell. It shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap disasters on them. I will spend my arrows on them. They shall be wasted with hunger, devoured by pestilence and bitter destruction. I will also send against them the teeth of beasts. With the poison of serpents of the dust. The sword shall destroy outside. There shall be terror within. For the young man and the virgin, the nursing child with the man of gray hairs. I would have said, I will dash them in pieces. I will make the memory of them cease from among them. Had I not feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their adversaries should misunderstand, lest they should say, our hand is high. And it is not the Lord who has done all this. For they are a nation void of counsel. Nor is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. How could one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them? For their rock is not like our rock. Even our enemies themselves being judges. For their vine is the vine of Sodom. And the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of serpents. And the cruel venom of cobras. 
Is this not laid up in store with me, sealed up among my treasures? Vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come hasten upon them. For the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants. When he sees that their power is gone and there is no one remaining, bond or free, he will say, where are their gods? The rock in which they sought refuge, who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering. Let them rise and help you and be your refuge. Now see that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there anyone who can deliver from my hand. For I raise my hands to heaven and say, as I live forever, if I wet my glittering sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the heads of the leaders of the enemy. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with this people. For he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. Oh my goodness. That's heavy. These are heavy, heavy, heavy words. And this is the song that the Lord gave to Moses and says, Moses, write this down. Give it to the younger generation. And this song is from me. And this song is a testimony for me. And it is against Israel. One generation will forget these words. But in the minds and the hearts of their children, and I speak generationally in saying that, there will be some who remember. Oh my goodness, what have we done? And in remembering their, these words, you're going to see repentance. And it's so beautiful to see repentance. But before repentance happens, you're going to see ugly you're going to see the pain. You're going to see how Israel forgets the Lord. We will see these things as we study further in the depths of the Old Testament and get further into the depths of things that happen with men and women and children and Israel and tribes and different things. And we're going to reflect back on these words. We're going to reflect back on Torah, the law and the statutes. And all the Lord is doing is exactly what he said he would do. And it's going to kill you. It's going to break your heart. But he never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And you're going to see what happens when Israel forgets God. But we're living in a time when the church has forgotten God, Christians have forgotten God. Look at Laodicea. Look at Laodicea. 
Jesus Christ says, I stand at the door and knock, but which is beautiful, but why in the world is Jesus Christ on the outside of the church? Let's see. Picture this young generation, this next generation that's going to pass into the promised land and they want to hear the pep talk. Come on, Moses. Tell us what we want to hear. Tell us the good. Tell us that everything is going to be fine and dandy for us when we cross the River Jordan. Tell us that everything is going to be fine when we're in the land of milk and honey. But in his intimacy with the Lord, the Lord speaks to Moses as he speaks to a friend. And in this intimacy, remember in chapter 31, verse 16, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you will rest with your fathers, and this people will rise and play the harlot. Play the harlot. An Old Testament example of one saved, always saved. They think everything's fine and dandy. We're of the elect and everything, you know, God is with us. And it's a biblical truth that God is with us, Emmanuel. But the question is, are we with God? Remember, in the last days, many Christs. Oh, yeah, I'm with Jesus. I'm with Jesus. And I'm going to go ahead and take to the mark of the beast and I'll still be saved according to this minister, according to this pastor who's also a minister of Jesus. Well, that's another Christ because the word of God, the real Jesus, the word became flesh, says, don't you dare take the mark of the beast. Oh, I'm with Jesus. You know, the, you know, you know, God says that he is with us and I am with him. And I'm going to go to this grave site, lay on the grave and soak up the spirit that's in the dead people. Lowercase J, lowercase Jesus, lowercase C, lowercase Christ. They might say that and they do say that. But do not follow. Do not follow. The real Christ says that is an abomination. Necromancy, an abomination before the Lord. You see? In chapter 31, Deuteronomy verse 16, the Lord says to Moses in this intimacy, remember he speaks to Moses as a friend. And he says, this people will rise and play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the land where they go to be among where they go to be among them and they will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them that's what the lord says old man moses picture old man moses and his broken heart all these things that the lord has done this far thus far moses is going to die And the Lord is telling him, these people will play the harlot. Picture his broken heart when he dies. And then the Lord says in verse 17, chapter 31, Then my anger shall be aroused against them in that day, and I will forsake them. I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured. Oh my goodness. And many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? 
And I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil which they have done in this in, in that they have turned to other gods. And then in verse 19, now therefore, write down this song. Write down this song for yourselves and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. <laughs> what happened? What happened? You picture the young generation hearing old man Moses. Come on, Moses, tell us something good. Tell us something good. No, these things need to be said. You need to know that, you know, the, that yes, God is with us, but we have to stay with God. Yes, God is with you, but you have to stay with the Lord. You see? So many times, oh, yeah, the, the Lord is with us. Look, the Lord is with us and he will, he's not going to forsake us. So I'm going to go ahead and do this, do this, do this, do this and be disobedient to him and walk according to the flesh and all these things. And it's like, okay, once saved, always saved. No, that is false doctrine. Do not be deceived. These days are wicked. These days are evil. These days are dark and it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Remember, these things were written for our admonition. Brother Paul says so inspired of the spirit the same spirit that is speaks to jeremiah to ezekiel the spirit of our lord not by power nor by might but by my spirit his word is above his name we must know the scriptures which is a gift of the spirit but to be Bereans in these last days and to be Bereans and search the scriptures with noble hearts. Because remember, Jesus says to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures for in them you think there is eternal life. You think there is eternal life and there absolutely is eternal life. So what's the difference between the Bereans and the Pharisees? Because the Pharisees search the scriptures as literature. The Bereans search the scriptures with a noble heart, understanding that the word of God is spiritually discerned. You see? If you're in a situation, if, if right here, right now, you are not a believer, become a believer right here, right now. Hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. If you are a believer, but you're lukewarm, you're playing games with the Lord. You got one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And it's like, you know, you love the Lord, but you also love X, Y, Z. You hit pause. You listen to the message, how to commit your life. And you recommit your life to Jesus Christ. Be lukewarm no more. Be hot for Jesus Christ. White hot for Jesus Christ. Salvation for our souls. Going back to Deuteronomy 32, verse 44. So Moses came with Joshua. I love this so much. You see this beautiful duo, duo, Moses and Joshua. So Moses came with Joshua, the son of Nun, and spoke with, spoke all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. Moses finished speaking all these words to Israel and he said to them, 
Set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of this law. Tell it to your kids. And when your kids grow up, tell them to tell it to their kids. And when those kids grow up, tell it to tell, tell them to, to teach their kids. And you're going to see as we study the Old Testament, you're going to see less people remember the Lord. It's going to be so dark that you're going to see a smaller, 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 smaller group of people remember the Lord, fear the Lord and love the Lord and honor the Lord. But where you see that, you're going to see incredible beauty such as Hannah, such as Samuel, such as Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Amos. You're going to see it and you're going to understand that, whoa, these are people who honored the Lord even when everybody else didn't. Remember Jeremiah, Jeremiah, oh, you're so stupid, Jeremiah. Look, we have all these priests, we have all these prophets. And the Lord speaks to Jeremiah and says, they're not with me. Jeremiah, I'm speaking to you. Ezekiel says, oh, Lord, you have all these, all these elders, all these, you know, people in, in these positions. And the Lord says, okay, Ezekiel, come over here. I'm going to show you. Put your finger in this hole in the wall. And Ezekiel in obedience does that. And then the Lord says, okay, now look through that hole. Tell me, what do you see? And Ezekiel saw, saw all kinds of wickedness, sexual sin, worship of other gods, orgies, all kinds of nasty. And then all of a sudden the Lord says, okay, come here. I'm going to show you worse things. These people, Ezekiel, who you think are holy, no, they are wicked. The Lord doesn't make mistakes. The Lord says to Ezekiel, you know, I'm, I chose you for a reason. Because they're, look at all the defunct. I'm paraphrasing, but you know, look at all the defunct. The priests, the elders, the prophets, they're all defunct. I'm using you, Ezekiel. I'm using you, Jeremiah. Look at the high priest. Who thought Hannah was drunk? Foolish, foolish, foolish man. And she's praying to the Lord. You see? And where there's no widespread revelation from the Lord, the Lord is silent in those days. Why is he silent? Why is the Lord not speaking to the high priest when in his law says, I will speak to the high priest? And why is it that the Lord is not speaking? Did the Lord change his mind? No. Look at the priest. Look at his sons, Eli and his wicked sons. And who does the Lord speak to? Little Samuel. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful little Samuel. And the Lord speaks to him. You see, I don't care how. Look at old man Moses, 120. And look at little Samuel. Look at little boy Samuel. Look at, you know, middle-aged Hannah. (laughs) I don't know how old she is. Look at Hannah, honoring the Lord. Ruth, honoring the Lord. Boaz, honoring the Lord. Look at all these beautiful people honoring the Lord, even when the multitudes do not honor the Lord. Why? They forgot him. And yet Moses says to Joshua, the number two in command, Moses is going to die. Okay, Joshua, you're up. Just like Paul to little Timmy. 
Little Timmy, I'm going to die. You're up. The next generation of leadership. Teaching these things to all the people. Not to exclude children. Because children need to hear these things. I mean, have you... You might... I've, I've spoken to young people. And you might be my beautiful young brother, my beautiful young sister... 12 years old, 13 years old, and you realize, what in the world is wrong with my mom? What in the world is wrong with my dad? You might be 13, 14, 15, and you're like, what in the world is wrong with mom and dad? They're crazy. That's why the word is taught to children. You see? So that a 14-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 15-year-old can realize, oh my goodness, mom and dad, they're crazy. They're not honoring the Lord. And you, my beautiful young brother, you, my beautiful young sister, can honor the Lord and stand firm in your honor of the Lord and make your choice. Mom and dad go crazy, that's on them. You remember. They forget, you remember. Purpose in your heart. They forget, you remember. And then when you grow up, have kids, teach it to your kids. And when they grow up, have kids, you know, if they don't teach it to their kids, you teach it to your grandkids. The Lord. You see? And you're going to see this so beautifully. You're going to see a lot of ugly We're going to study these things. A lot of ugly, the ups and the downs of Israel, the ups and the downs of tribes of Israel, of Judah, of all kinds of different things. And you're going to see how the Lord is reactionary. He responds to obedience and disobedience. He responds to righteousness and wickedness. And he responds to repentance. Look at David. Wickedness. Remember Nathan? The prophet Nathan. What would you, Dave? What would you do, David? Oh, surely I would kill that man. And the prophet Nathan. David, you are that man. <laughs> and what's so beautiful in David? Is that you see his heart broken before the Lord and you see repentance. The Lord responds to repentance. He responds to obedience, disobedience, righteousness, wickedness. And he responds beautifully, 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 beautifully to repentance. And you might find yourself in a situation where we study these words. We study these verses, Old Testament, New Testament. And you realize, oh my goodness, I am that man. Oh my goodness, I am that woman. Oh my goodness, I am that boy. Oh my goodness, I am that girl. And if you're placed in the balance of the word of God and you're found in trouble based on what the word of God says and your behavior, and you realize, oh my goodness, I am my life, these choices that I made are not pleasing to the Lord. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I say unto you, repent. Repent, 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 repent. Right here, right now. Hit pause. Listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. And you commit, commit, commit your life to Christ. 
Not willy-nilly. I mean hardcore. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I'm done with this. I am done with this. These choices I made, I am done. Be disgusted in those sins. You see? That's what's so beautiful about the word of God. It's sharp. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It's sharp on both sides and it's got a tip. And it's used for offense. But don't forget, in our own usage of the word of God, we can cut ourselves. Seemingly, oh, that's a bad thing. No, it's a beautiful thing. Because I remember reading passages and even still, it's like a, like, like a knife in the heart. Oh my goodness, Lord. I got to repent. You know, look, I'm not right before you, Lord. I got to repent. There are some people who would say, oh, once saved, always saved. Don't worry about repent. You did, you did the altar call when you were 10 years old? Okay, you're good to go. Once saved, always saved. No, that is unbiblical. Unbiblical. Oh, but this pastor says that, look, he's got his study Bible and he's got his doctorate in this and his doctorate in that and master's in this and, you know, bachelor's in this and all kinds of different things. That's nice. Who is he? Clay? He's not the potter. Clay? Who is he? He means nothing to me. Oh, but this teacher says this. That's nice. Who in the world is he? He ain't the potter. What does the word of God say? You see? Moses in speaking this beautiful duo of Moses and Joshua in verse 47. For it is not if it is not a futile thing, it is not vain and worthless is how it translates. It is not a futile thing for you. I love this so much. Talking to young people. Having conversations. I remember these conversations with, you know, 14 year olds, 12 years old, 10 year olds even. Male and female. Little boys, little girls and teenage girls and teenage boys. And they're like, wow, you know what? There's this going on and there's this going on. There's this going on. And when we understand together that people make their choices to honor the Lord or dishonor the Lord, we as individuals must choose, I will honor the Lord. Even when everybody else refuses to do so, as a result of the flesh, as a result of the lure of the world, as a result of Satan, as a result of false doctrine, as a result of fill in the blank for whatever reason. But I'm, I speak to the living. You see? You have mockers. You see it, Old Testament, New Testament, mockers. Oh, why do you believe in the Bible? There's this and that. Or why do you believe this guy and this and that? Why do you go to that church? Look, there's not even, there's just, you know, 20 people in that church. There's just 15, 10 people in that church. Why do you go to that little church? Look, come to this big church. We got a thousand members over here and a thousand people speaking tongues. 
look, we got, you know, a thousand people over here and a, a thousand people. We all have our, 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 we have our little Bible studies and don't mind the Bible. You know, we don't read the Bible, you know, but we open up this book, New York Times bestseller, you know, Crazy Love, and we study what this guy has to say. Foolishness. And I love how old man Moses speaking to Joshua. It's not a futile thing for you. Picture everybody in the camp of Israel, this younger generation that's going to pass into the promised land. Come on, Moses, tell us the good stuff. We want to hear the good stuff. And then old man Moses in this private conversation with Joshua. Joshua, it's not a futile thing for you. Because it is your life. It is your life. Honoring the Lord and dishonoring the Lord, it's life and death. In this life, yes, but I'm not speaking about this life. I'm talking about the life to come. Because it is your life, he says, and by this word you shall... Prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. You see? This is the word of Moses unto Joshua. Moses, who is a faithful servant of the Most High. Remember Korah, who's like, oh, why, why does the, you know, Moses thinks that he speaks for the Lord. God can speak with, you know, we're all, we're all Israel. We're all of the elect. So look, you know, God can speak through me also. So look, you know, everybody, let's just do this. Let's just forget what Moses says and let's do this and that and this and that. And people followed Korah and people were judged with Korah. A person says, a person who has his study Bible, who says, take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. Listen to our study. It's called, you know, if you're, if you're wondering, like, why does he always say this? Listen to our study. It's called Do Not Take the Mark of the Beast. You'll listen to that and you'll understand. But a person who says, take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved, and says, follow me as I follow Christ. It's dangerous to follow that person. Put a lowercase c there because the real Jesus will never say, take the mark of the beast. A person who stands at the pulpit and says... Follow me as I follow Christ. And by the way, we're going to go grave soaking. He follows lowercase c, Christ. Other Christs, as prophesied in the last days. But Paul, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Timothy says, follow me as I follow Christ. Titus says, follow me as I follow Christ. John, James, Jude. They say, follow me as I follow Christ. Peter, follow me as I follow Christ. Following such individuals, it is safe. You see, how is one to know? You have to be a Berean. Even Aaron and Miriam. Oh, Moses, you think God speaks through you. Look, he can speak to us too, and he can speak through us as well. And the Lord says, okay, you three, step into my office. I think it's very important when we see how Aaron and Miriam received the tap-tap from the Lord. And Miriam, she was she became a leper. 
And in her state of leprosy, the children of Israel, they didn't continue in their movement until she was healed. She was unclean, and in their state of uncleanness, they didn't move. Very interesting. Pastors, pay attention. In a state of uncleanness, don't expect to move. Keep the house of the Lord clean. Clean. And I'm not speaking about, you know, vacuuming and spider webs. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the hearts. The Lord spoke to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, and they heard the Lord. You know, everybody, you three, step into my office. And who the Lord speaks to is one thing. Who the Lord speaks through is another thing. Look at the disciples. When Jesus Christ says, I no longer call you servants, you're my friends. Because a servant doesn't know what the master is doing. Brother James says, you know, Abraham was a friend of God. But a friend of God is a byproduct of his obedience, Abraham's obedience unto the Lord. And it was accounted to him for righteousness sake. People just make blanket statements. Oh, look, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm a friend of God. Come on, let's go. Let's go to the strip club. Look, I'm a, I'm a friend of Christ and I'm crucified with Christ. And okay, look, you know, let's go to the strip club. Let's do some drugs. Let's get drunk tonight and let's do our Ouija boards. No, it doesn't work that way. Oh, but the Bible says we're, I'm crucified with Christ. Okay, Paul said that. He was crucified with Christ. It's not to say that we can't say that. But where do we see crucifixion? Where do we see a reckoning of the old man dead, a reckoning of the old woman dead? That's you and me. We have to carry our cross. Don't forget the cross. It's not a fashion statement. It's not, you know, we wear, uh, you know, I have a chain with a big cross on it to show, look, uh, look, I got a cross. That, that's not carrying the cross. The cross is an instrument of death. Death. Picture captors. They take you captive. And they're going to walk you up a mountain. And on top of the mountain, they're going to shoot you a firing squad. And to every single one of them, you say, you know, you know, take out the magazine, you know, you can remove the magazine. And I'm going to carry your weapons. I'm going to carry the very rifles you're going to use to kill me. There's 10 guys and you got to carry 10 rifles. You see, don't forget Jesus Christ had help carrying his cross. I'm speaking about the instrument of death. We carry our crosses. It's not a fashion statement. Oh, look, I got a, I got a tattoo of a cross. Look, I'm a Christian. Oh, look, I got this chain, a gold chain. It's got a cross on it. And look, I'm hardcore and all the... No, 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 no. Look, I got this t-shirt. It's got a cross on it. That's nice. Look, I got this verse, you know, this verse on the on the shirt. I got this sweatshirt, you know, it's got this verse on it. Look how hardcore I am. That's nice. I'm talking about carrying your instrument of death. 
Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Can you say that? Because if you want to say I'm crucified with Christ and still go to the strip club, if you want to say I'm crucified with Christ and still do the Ouija boards, if you want to say I'm crucified with Christ and you know you still do the you know the gambling and the white lies and all these things, oh, but once saved, always saved. That's nice. I don't see crucifixion. Oh, but the Bible says I'm a friend of God. The Bible says. The disciples were friends of God. The Bible says Abraham was a friend of God. The Bible says Moses is a friend of God. Does that apply to you and me? Oh, absolutely. The word says it. Let's look deeper. Who was crucified? Who reckons the old man dead, the old woman dead? Who is carrying their cross, the instrument of death? You see, who is alive with Christ? Pastors, keep the house of God clean. And I'm not talking about vacuuming and dusting. Keep the house of God clean. Because there are foolish virgins and there are wise virgins. Remnant. You see? And so we see this, how the Lord speaks to many, 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 many. But who the Lord speaks through, it's a different ballgame. Moses, look at Samuel and Eli. In accordance to the law, in accordance to the law, in accordance to the law, which is in accordance to, not the law, but, you know, in accordance to the law, uh, according to the flesh, the Lord should speak to Eli. And let me, little disclaimer, I have problems saying that because it's like, you know, the Lord speaks, you know, he sees the heart. But when you read the law, you figure, okay, the Lord should be speaking to Eli, but the Lord wasn't speaking to Eli. Why? Look at Eli. The Lord spoke to Samuel. Why? Look at beautiful Samuel. Look at his beautiful mom. And the Lord spoke to Samuel. You see? Look at the religious leaders. The Lord was speaking to Paul. But the Lord wasn't speaking to the Levites, the Kohanim. You see? We have to understand these things. Look at how messed up Corinth was. Walking according to the flesh. Look at the defunct pastors. And then you look a little bit further. Still in Corinth. But you look a little bit further in the distance. And what do you see? Beautiful Chloe's house. Beautiful, beautiful Chloe's house. When Corinth is dark and dark and dark. And you see a little light in the distance. What is that light? 
Well, that's Chloe's house. You see, a little fellowship, home fellowship in Chloe's house. The Lord speaks to multitudes, to many. And when I say multitudes, you know, spiritually speaking, the Lord speaks to look at the multitudes in Revelation. But who he speaks through? That's why Brother James says, let not many be teachers. Let not many be teachers. Now we see here in verse 48 in closing, then the Lord spoke to Moses that very same day saying, in this intimacy, Moses and the Lord, go up to this mountain of Abarim, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab across from Jericho. Remember, he's 120 years old and the Lord is saying, you know, you know, go up this mountain. That's, you know, that's a, I love this so much. Because, you know, how long did that take them to do? I mean, you, for, you know, if you're young, you figure, okay, you know, I, I can do that in five minutes. But what, what if that's an all day process for 120 year old Moses? And yet you see his obedience. What if it's a two day process? What if he has to, you know, go up and when it's night, you know, take his blanket with them and lay down and so he can get up and continue on in the next day? And yet you see at age 120, his obedience unto the Lord. And even with Moses, his obedience, it was a learned thing. He says in verse 49, View the land of Canaan, which I give to the children of Israel as a possession, and die on the mountain which you ascend. Now, you know, you read that, you know, the Lord says, Hey, Moses, go up to the mountain and die there. You read that and you're like, well, you know, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of cold. No, 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 no. Get that perspective here. Because some people would read this. Some people would hear this, you know, go up to this mountain and, you know, you're going to die there. Some people would hear that and be like, okay, I don't want to go to the mountain because I'm going to die there. I don't want to go up that mountain because, you know, the Lord says I'm going to die and I don't want to do that. But for friends of God, they would run up that mountain. If I'm going to die there, I'm going to get there as fast as I can. Let's have some perspective. Die on the mountain which you ascend and be gathered to your people. Just as Aaron, your brothers, just as Aaron, your brother died on Mount Hor and be gathered to his people because you trespassed against me. You see, even Moses is not without chastisement. You trespassed against me, Moses. Remember? The Lord gave him specific instruction. You trespass against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin because you did not hallow me in the midst of the children of Israel. Whoa. Very sobering. Very beautiful. Very sobering. Old man Moses is not without his tap-taps. The Lord disciplines those whom he loves. The Lord chastises those whom he loves. The Bible says if we are without chastisement, we are illegitimate. King James says if we are without chastisement, we are bastards. So that's King James. Illegitimate children. 
The Lord chastises, He disciplines those whom He loves. You know, a, ch- a child without chastisement, look at them. You know, we live in a day and age where you see a generation of kids, millennials and Z generation, they're without chastisement of their earthly parents. Never been spanked before in their lives. Look at them. You don't need me to tell you this. Look, we see the fruit of it. The snowflake generation. Millennials and Generation Z never, never been spanked as a child. And I'm not talking about, you know, spank your kids and beat them to a bloody pulp, but, you know, the tap-taps, those are very necessary in the life of a child. The Bible says, your, thy staff and thy, and thy rod, they comfort me. You see? Moses is not without chastisement. And so we continue here in closing verse 52. Yet you shall see the land before you, though you shall not go there into the land which I am giving to the children of Israel. Whoa. And don't forget the transfiguration. Don't forget the transfiguration. Because old man Moses goes to sleep and joins his ancestors, but at the same time, there is a future paradise. Beautiful. We're going to end our study here and Lord willing pick up in chapter 33. But we must understand how the Lord, he never changes, but at the same time, the richness of his grace, his mercy, and his love and that he is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. You and me, we are the ones who yield to him in alignment with his word, and the word became flesh. We abide in Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days, God bless you. I love you.